Well, welcome everyone. I am Dr. Peter Melanoski, clinical psychologist, passionate Catholic. I am the host of this podcast, Interior Integration for Catholics. And Interior Integration for Catholics is part of our outreach, Souls and Hearts, at soulsandhearts.com. Here we are. It is so good to be here with so many of you for episode 104. This episode is titled Connecting with Your Angry Parts. It's an experiential exercise, and we are recording this live on January 13th, 2023, and I'll be releasing it to all the major podcast platforms on Monday, January 16th. Now, as you may know, I've decided to weave in an extra podcast each month. The first Monday of the month will be our standard IIC podcast, a long-form solo episode that I do earlier this month, episode 103. We dove deep into the conceptual understanding of anger. That was really to inform and nourish our intellects. Now, we have an opportunity to get into this more experientially. So it's not just all left brain, but more right brain, more hind brain. And it is so good to see so many people with us. We've got lots of people already with us. want to wish Happy New Year to everyone. I want to thank you for being here. And just, you know, fire me a note in the chat. Let me know where you're, let me know where you were coming from. I want to see you know, where, you know, where, where people are around the world, around the country, around the world. So just, if you're, if you're willing, just let me know where you're coming in from. That would be great. So we're going to be doing an experiential exercise today, like we did in episode 100, like we did in episode 102. And this is the third in our six episode series of experiential exercises. So really glad to have you with us. We're going to be discussing the parts of us that have anger. This is really focused on getting in touch with the parts that are stakeholders in anger. Experiential exercises, they're so important for us getting to know ourselves and more importantly, for us learning to love ourselves. Our Lord, Luke 10, 27, The second great commandment said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we're supposed to love ourselves in an ordered way. And that means loving the parts of us that are angry, that carry anger. And those parts of us that are angry have reasons for being angry. There's always a reason. In my professional opinion, there is no such thing as, quote, irrational anger. There is anger that stems from misunderstanding, from incorrect assumptions, from mistaken perceptions. All that's not only possible, it's common. But I don't believe there's anything such as irrational anger. I'm so excited to be with you. We've got people coming in from all over. People letting me know where they're coming from. We've got uh, folks from Minnesota, Alabama, Boston. This is great. Thank you for being here. And thank you for coming. I'm getting some thank yous in the chat. So good to have you with, with me. So these experiential exercises are to help you connect with what's going on inside of you, in your internal experience, in your parts, what's holding you back from those deep relationships with God and Mary, what's holding you back from a deep sense of security, peace, and joy, what's holding you back from a sense of well-being. And in doing these exercises, we're going to be talking about parts, Parts are like little sub-personalities within us, unique constellations of needs, emotions, body sensations, guiding beliefs and assumptions, uh, typical thoughts, intentions, desires, attitudes, impulses, body sensations that all coalesce together like little sub-personalities. If it's helpful, you can think of parts as modes of operating. And these parts or modes of operating exist within us even when we're not aware of them. And this may be intuitive to many of us. We can say, you know, a part of me would like to exercise today and have the benefits of working out, but another part of me just wants to relax, watch a movie, and eat chips. And after being 
unfairly criticized by a family member, we may notice a part of us that wants to retaliate in anger and another part of us that really wants to keep the peace, really wants to just sort of shrug it off, make it, make light of it, right? So these are different reactions from different parts within us. Now, as we get into this material on anger, just some cautions, because anger, that can bring up a lot of intensity for people. There could be a lot of emotion, a lot of concern around anger in people's systems. I want you to notice as we do this experiential exercise, if you are exiting your window of tolerance to the upside, moving into hyperarousal, the fight or flight response, you know, that sympathetic activation of the nervous system. Or if you're dropping out of your window of tolerance to the downside, right, going into the freeze response, that dorsal vagal activation where you shut down, fall asleep, numb out. If you're noticing that, that that's happening to you, I'm going to invite you to disengage from the exercise, reground yourself, because it might be that something about that was triggering or overwhelming. It doesn't happen very often. I'm not expecting it to happen, but it's worth at least mentioning. Some parts might have concerns about doing an exercise like this, right? They might have fears about this exercise. You might have a, a very angry part that's been exiled or suppressed that really, really wants to tell you all about the anger, really wants to tell you the story behind the anger and share with you the intensity of the anger by flooding, right? That's not helpful, actually. We're going to ask for parts not to flood you, to not overwhelm you with the intensity of the experience. There might also be protector parts that are so concerned that your anger might get out of hand that you might explode in anger if you allow a little bit in, almost like the camel's nose under the tent or something like that. There's going to be way too much. Protector parts might not trust angry parts. And your protector parts might also be really afraid of the aggressive impulses generated by angry parts. And so... There may be an investment that certain protectors have in silencing or suppressing parts that carry anger. And that makes sense, right? Extreme anger can hurt your relationships. It can lead to acting out against your neighbor or against God. So we really want to keep things safe. We really want to keep things protected when we do these experiential exercises. So we want to contract with the parts that we're working with, and I'll be bringing this up to, to titrate that or to regulate how much anger is actually shared with your innermost self. All right, we're going to listen to those protector parts first. Oftentimes, the, the, there's a fair amount of time spent just connecting with those parts that protect us against the intensity of our anger inside to allow access. We don't try to get around those parts, steamroll them. We don't try to override them because they're performing a really important function for us. And that is so that we don't get overwhelmed. You can stop this exercise at any time. I'm going to invite you to take what's helpful, take what's useful to you out of it. You don't have to follow everything that I'm, I'm saying. If it's, if this exercise is not for you, it's okay to, to, to stop, to, to bow out. It might be just too much for you in this particular day or in this particular setting, and that's okay. There's no shame in that. Some people might, in order to deal with the intensity of their anger, really need the attention of a therapist or a coach one-on-one, -on -one. right? This is not a therapy. It's not counseling. We don't do any therapy or counseling in Souls and Hearts. It's an experiential exercise, a guided meditation. And so we're not trying to resolve unmetabolized trauma. We're not trying to, to go in and fix yourself. We're really looking to understand first, right? But we don't need therapy to start getting in touch with ourselves, you know, to start getting in touch with our parts. That's the therapy and counseling. They don't have a monopoly on that. And so there's so much that your innermost self can do to help your parts outside of therapy or counseling. Right? So we do ask that you have the time and space and privacy that you not do this for those that are tuning in later while you're driving or while you're engaging in other activities that would require you to divide your attention. If you're listening to this in the recording, you're welcome to stop the recording to pause it if you need more time. Totally welcome to do that because there might be some really important work and the recording going on might be distracting. Uh, welcome to have pens and paper to write things down that are helpful, a journal, if you will, uh, or to map things out. You can draw if that's helpful, what's going on inside, if it's not particularly verbal, but more visual. 
And just as we begin here to know that you can get comfortable, right? To, to move around, you can close your eyes. If you are with me live with a video and you feel more comfortable having the video off, you're welcome to have the video off. It's whatever is helpful to you. And so now we're gonna begin the exercise proper. And as we start, I say this a lot. I'm gonna invite you to a lot of gentleness with yourself. A lot of gentleness for yourself. You know, we have a moment here where you can really care for yourself with kindness, with compassion. An opportunity for you to love parts of you that might really need your love. Maybe parts of you that are in need, parts of you that have been suffering or struggling. And if you get distracted, that's okay. That's really common. You can just refocus, or if that's not possible, you can focus in on the distraction to get curious about why a part of you might need to distract you. Now, as we begin, we're going to ask that no part of you overwhelm you with emotion. We're going to ask that no part of you overwhelm you with intensity. That's a safety thing. We want to really attend to the concerns of our protector parts, those parts that try to keep us safe. Right? If we don't have permission from our protector parts to connect with other parts of us, then we don't do it yet. We don't go there yet because we're investing in long-term relationships inside. We don't overrun our protectors. We don't steamroll them. We don't try to trick them. We don't manipulate them. We don't try to run around them. We, we work in a way that's very honest and open. We work by invitation. So I'm just gonna invite you to notice what's happening in or around your body when I say anger. Just noticing what happens in your body when you hear the word anger. Almost all of us have a, a part, at least one, that carries anger. And I'm wondering if it would be okay to notice how we experience anger in our bodies. finding what that experience is like. And it might not be a bodily experience. For some people, they might have images, visual images. Others may have sounds that they hear or maybe memories that come up. Or there could be impulses or desires or beliefs that come up or thoughts or assumptions. However you experience anger inside. And we're going to again ask not to be overwhelmed. We're working with our protectors. We're going to ask to limit the intensity of the anger to something that your protectors are comfortable with. That might be 2% of the intensity of the anger, maybe 10%, maybe 1%, maybe just a teeny tiny little bit, like 0.0001%, whatever your protectors are okay with. If they're allowing you to connect with an angry part, I always wanna make sure we work really slowly, really safely. 
And if your protectors are not okay with you working with an angry part, then there's a reason for that. At least one reason for that. And I'm going to invite you to spend the time with your protector that's not ready to allow access yet to really hear the story of that part's concern about anger within you. So, if you have protectors that are concerned, stay with that protector. That becomes your target part. But if your protectors are okay with relaxing back and softening and allowing you to become more into contact with the part of you that carries anger, with whatever that limit on the anger is, 2% or 10% or 0.0001%, then I'm just going to invite you to notice that part. And for those that have permission, the part that carries anger can be your target part. And again, a request that no part blend with you and take you over, no part fuse with you. We're looking to be separate, but near. Because when we're separate, but near, we can have a relationship with parts. We can have a connection. And that's what permits parts to be able to be loved, separate but near. And I'm curious how you're feeling toward your target part. What are you noticing that you're feeling toward your target part? could be the part that carries anger if you have permission to work with that kind of part. Or it could be one of the protectors that guard against anger if you don't have permission. What are you noticing toward that part? And if you're noticing some negativity, some criticism, judgment, I'm just going to let you know that's a part. That's another part that's come in and blended a little bit or maybe more than a little bit. And we're going to see if those parts can relax back to allow you as the innermost self to emerge more fully. with those qualities of calm and curiosity and compassion. Connectedness, confidence, courage, clarity, creativity, just to see if you could have a big open heart to your target parts. See if your parts would allow you as the innermost self to be near your target part.
angry parts have a strength. They have a strength that could be transferred, that could be used in some other way. Can we be open to that? Can we listen to the story that our target parts have? Because there's a story about anger. Either the worries and concerns protectors have about anger or the experience of anger and the why of it. There's always reasons for anger. Anger is the primary emotion of the fight response. And so if we're in touch with a part, we could listen in that part's story for what needed to be fought. Can we be curious about that? Was there an injustice being ignored or unheard? being betrayed or harmed or abandoned. Again, asking parts not to overwhelm, to show a little bit of the emotion, just a taste. So that we can be in relationship separate but near. Was anger a reaction to a threat? Was it protective, a defense against shame or grief or despair? Was there a need to be strong and powerful in a situation? Every part has a story. Can you listen to that story? Big open heart. And I'm going to invite you to look at your target part and your target part to look at you. wonder if it's okay for the target part to sense compassion from you, connection, to take that in.
and if you're in a good place to reach out to care for parts I'm just gonna trust your sense of this if it's coming from your innermost self to reach out and to care for that part in a way that it might need right now so many of these parts are like little children like little children in need Can that target part feel love from you yet? Maybe it's too early. Maybe the part's not ready. Maybe you're not in a great position right now yet. You know, maybe there's some blending. But just notice how that target part's doing. And as we come to the end of this exercise, I'm just going to invite you to notice how you're doing as the innermost self with connection, with compassion for your target part, with curiosity, and with calm. I'm going to invite you to write down what you've learned, what was helpful what the part may have wanted you to know, giving your parts a voice on paper in a journal or a diary. You can do this exercise again with a different part if you'd like, you know, when the recording comes out. A lot of gratitude for all your parts because parts all have good intentions. They're all trying to help even if the means they use are really limited, ineffective, or, or sometimes even maladaptive, harmful. This doesn't have to be the end of you connecting with your target part. It doesn't have to be a one-off experience. You can check in with that part again. And I'm going to invite you to stay in touch with your parts if you can as we come back to the podcast here. We're going to enter into this period of debriefing and I'm going to invite you to check out with your parts what they might like you to speak for them. They might have a question that they'd like to be asked. Just see if parts are okay with asking me a question. If if you do ask a question, let me know if I can use your name and where you're from. And that's and if not, if if it's better to be anonymous, you're welcome to be anonymous. Remember always that this is recorded, okay, and that it will be made public. So we want to make sure that our parts are okay with whatever is shared, that it, it's okay for it to be public, uh, so that, uh, so that, you know, parts are aware of that. And, uh, and if you'd like to share your experience, and it feels good and right to do that, you know, that would be great. We'd love to hear it. Whatever seems to be important to share, I'm going to ask you to keep it relatively brief so that other people will have a turn as well. All right. So we're going to enter into this period of questions and answers. If folks have something that they'd like to share, I'm going to invite you to either put up a physical hand. You know, you can turn your cameras back on and you can, you can put your hand up like in your camera screen or there's a way to do that electronically as well under the reactions button for Zoom. So let us know if um, if you have questions as you come back. Uh, and if you feel more comfortable typing them out, you're welcome to do that as well. I'm going to invite you to mark your calendars. 
Uh, the next live experience of the IIC podcast will be on Saturday, February 18th, 2023, from 10 o'clock a.m. to 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. So it's Saturday, February 18th, 10 o'clock a.m. to 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be putting out a link in our Wednesday email reflections. I always send out via email a, a reflection every Wednesday. So you can sign up for those at soulsandhearts.com. On our main page, there's a little button that says, Get Dr. Peter's Weekly Email Reflections. I'll also put it on the IIC landing page as well, which is at soulsandhearts.com backslash IIC. soulsandhearts.com backslash IIC. I'm going to invite people to check out the Resilient Catholics community. If this kind of exercise is really resonating with you, we do so much experiential work in the Resilient Catholics community. And you can learn all about that at soulsandhearts.com backslash RCC. We'll start taking new applications for the RCC in June. And if you happen to be a therapist, you can also check out the interior therapist community at soulsandhearts.com backslash ITC. And as always, um, you can reach out to me at crisis at soulsandhearts.com. That's my email address. And my cell phone number, 317-567-9594. My conversation hours are every Tuesday and Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Every Tuesday and Thursday, 4.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 317-567-9594. So with that, just curious if anybody has something that they'd like to bring up. No pressure. You don't have to. If there's some kind of question that, or some kind of, you know, sharing that you'd like to do after the experiential exercise today. Or it could be a question about anger, could be a question about something from the last podcast on the experience of anger. Great. So we have a question here. I've recently connected with a feisty protector target part. I've been trying to get to know her. My question is, how do we tell the difference between being blended with a part and the self-loving a part? It's a great question. Thank you. So when we're blended, that means a part is sort of taken over and is driving our bus. And that part's perspective becomes like the only perspective. When we're in self, there's three ways, three primary ways that, that you can tell if you're in self. The first is if you have the eight C's of being in self. These are eight words all beginning with C that help us to know when we're in self. And those are the ones I was mentioning before. The eight C's are being calm curious, compassionate, confident, courageous. There's clarity, connectedness, and creativity. If you have those, you know, those, that's a good sign. And it doesn't have to have all of them. The second is to see if you have an agenda that is driven by fear. Parts blend because they're afraid. They're afraid that something bad will happen if they don't take over your system. If you're noticing that you're acting out of love, you know, and out of a lot of respect and a lot of freedom, that's, that's a sign that you're in self or that you're recollected in the natural realm. And then the third is the sense that, that there's an openness, a, a sort of expansiveness. People can tell in their bodies often when they're in self. They've learned that they feel lighter. They feel uh, warmth in their bodies in a way that marks when they're more in self. So so that's what I would say is sort of a, a sort of summary of that, Helen. So thank you for, for bringing that up. I really appreciate it. So we have a question here. The protector part won't let the anger of the target part out because it won't do any good, right? It won't accomplish anything. It's a great, that's a great point, right? 
There are so many times protector parts that have had such negative experiences when other parts have shared anger. And why? Because that's usually happened with blending, where a part takes over, we become dominated by the passion of anger, and it leads to negative outcomes. So it it can seem to our protector parts that there's no good to be had in the anger, no good to be had with parts that carry anger being given a seat at the table. It's better to suppress them. It's better to silence them. It's better to exile them. That can be the attitude. What we want to do is to create the sense of safety. We really want to work with the anger directively and constructively, but in a way that's safe, in a way that's protected. And so often there's a fair amount of work that has to be done to set those conditions of safety so that protectors would would be willing to try it. One of the things that motivates protectors to try working with these parts that carry anger is that suppression of anger is rarely complete. Usually, somehow the anger breaks out one way or another, kind of like a pressure cooker. You can clamp that lid down and clamp it down, but eventually the pressure can be so great that the lid blows right off with a great explosion, right? So something that can sometimes motivate protectors is that a lot of times the protective strategies just don't work very well and they're open to trying something new. So I have one here. Oh, what if the exercise created a deep sense of drowsiness? Okay. So common for that to happen. Drowsiness is often a firefighter part, another protector that's coming in and sort of dampening everything down, bringing in the sleepiness so that it distracts from parts that carry anger or other parts that are in other ways threatening. So one question I would have, I don't know that this is true for you, But one question I would have is, okay, can we get curious about the drowsiness and what what the drowsiness was meant to do, how it was meant to help, right? But I would think of that as as a firefighter. I have a part that often feels slighted, unheard, overlooked, ignored by others. I know it's a younger part. How do I help that part? Is it an exile? Um, Well, it could be an exile, you know, it depends on what the relationship is with the self. Often parts that are overlooked, unheard, ignored, often those are exiled. That's kind of a definition of exile. And it's a younger part. So many times these parts are phenomenologically quite young. So how do we help that part? On the natural level, it's can we be in relationship with the part? Can we, with our innermost selves, come into contact with that part, separate but near, in a way that's safe for other parts? And can we hear and see and understand those parts? Can we we offer reassurance in a way that's attuned? Can we work with them like little kids, like little children within us? I think part of the reason why all that inner child uh, literature from the late 80s, 90s was so popular is that it was tapping into this in a very early way, that there are parts of us that are like little children within us. And that's a good thing. Our Lord said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God is made up of such as these. And these parts of us that are young can help us with that sense of awe and wonder and childlikeness, that trust, if they can be in relationship with us, if they can be integrated, and if they can be relieved of their burdens. So we have another person here saying, I discovered my anger buried deep in a garbage can, pushed down, very compact. I sensed the anger fumes coming up, but a protector part was tightly gripping a lid over the garbage can, allowing only a very slight escape of any of the anger fumes. I asked to take a turn holding the lid down and the protector part relaxed, exhausted. Beautiful work here, right? Working collaboratively with our protectors right? Working together, 
cooperatively, respecting these parts of us and their concerns. Just love to hear that, right? And just a little bit of the anger fumes, right? I often say, you know, you don't have to drink the whole barrel to know what it tastes like. A little sip will do. A little sip helps us to see and hear and know and understand, to taste, right? And so beautiful work uh, there. That's, that's, thank you for, and thank you for sharing that. My protector, here's another one. My protector part is protecting me from my angry part because it sees anger as silence and loneliness. Very fearful of anger. So, so, such great insight here, right? We're getting to the interpretations from our protector part. If I experience this anger, there's going to be silence. There's going to be loneliness. That's going to be terrible. So we're getting to the story behind the presentation. So we have another one here. We are to be, quote, pious as little children, end quote. As Catholics, how do we reconcile trauma in parts from young age now that we are older? You know, um, Aristotle called us rational animals. Um, and our rational faculty was something that separated us from the animal kingdom. And there is truth to that. I, I agree with that. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas agreed with that. We do have faculties, uh, you know, the intellect, there's different types of ways that we can, we can think about things uh, logically, reasonably. But so much of, so much of what we experience is actually really much more closely connected to our limbic system. to our more uh, sometimes called the primitive brain or the hindbrain. I think when there's trauma, and, and young parts are carrying that, we want to liberate those young parts from that trauma. There's a process in internal family systems therapy called unburdening. It can be so helpful. Sometimes that unburdening happens spontaneously, and it always happens as a function of, of love, of being seen, heard, known, and understood, feeling safe, feeling protected. And when those young parts are liberated, they often are the ones that bring us that wonder and joy reverence toward God. They're the ones that have like a deep sense of warmth and affection that help us to be childlike, to help us play. One of the things that people that have been traumatized really struggle with is this whole idea of play, right? And I think it's because so many of their young parts are caught up in extreme roles because of the trauma. Either they're exiled or they've, they've, they've had to become protectors in extreme roles. We want to re- free them from that. So we have another one here. This experiential exercise helped me to connect for the first time with one of my anger parts called rage. She is an eight-year-old child made up of black nothingness. And what I, what I like about this brief description is that it captures like when we work experientially and we sense something like black nothingness, that, that's not something that we, may, we would immediately reason our way to. We're connecting much more experientially and relationally and in a way that allows us not to be overwhelmed. So what a beautiful piece of work. Thank you for that. And then a question, what if extending compassion creates mirror dysregulation, like being pulled off balance? Okay, so what often happens when that's going on is that there is a well-meaning protector part, manager part, that is trying to help another part. But I really believe that parts cannot help other parts without the self. Parts can't help other parts unless they are in right relationship with the self. And so sometimes there are parts that try to help other parts, but they're doing it on their own. They're doing it as free agents. And that's where you tend to get destabilization in that. All right. Now it could also happen that there's another part that came up and blended because it it, it really was concerned about reaching out to a part that, um, that needed some compassion. And so again, it's really important to 
kind of stay monitoring the body, staying, staying kind of attuned to what's happening inside in doing this work to see if any other parts are having concerns. If you notice that a protector part is really concerned, is really worried, fearful, we slow down, we connect with that protector part because there's a reason for that. And that can often take time. We want to be really patient with that process and build the relationships. We want to, we really want to, as my uh, colleague John Cadbolter says, we want to play the long game, right? We want to develop the relationships with our protectors that are sound, that are based in trust. Because that trust is so important in relationships and developing those internal secure attachments. What I mean by this is if these parts can come to trust you as the innermost self, as a secure attachment object, as a secure attachment figure, then it makes it so much easier for them to eventually come to trust God. Right? A lot of times the first experience of love that parts have are from the innermost self. And any love that you offer to your parts, that you as the innermost self offer to your parts, ultimately comes from God. So when you're loving your parts, your parts are experiencing the love of God, often in a way that's much safer than if they were to come into contact with the living God himself directly. Okay, so, so we really want to have that mediated relationship because it can be so much easier for parts to take in love through the innermost self first. So another one here, when I tried to connect with anger, it often felt like there were several parts chiming in and then there was a little voice that says, no one wants to hear your anger. And after that, I felt like I couldn't go further. Okay, very common, right? There is a protector coming up. A protector coming up saying, no one wants to hear your anger. And so when something like that happens, we go to the part that just can't allow it yet. And almost always it's because it doesn't feel safe enough to allow it. It might not say, seem safe enough emotionally, it might not seem safe enough spiritually or, or, or morally because sometimes parts that are angry can express that through, uh, through, through a variety of ways, even blasphemous ways. It's not uncommon. Parts can get really anxious about that. And we're going to be heading into that in the next podcast episode where we start getting into anger at God. Episode 105 is going to be all about anger at God. And as a little bit of a preview, I believe that so, so many Catholics, so, so many people have parts that are really angry at God, right? For perceived injustices, the ways that they've construed God, so common and so often suppressed by other parts who are really threatened by that anger at God. So question, what if you have no inkling of anger at God? Well, I mean, first of all, there, I'm, gonna, I'm open to the possibility that a person just doesn't have parts that are angry at God. I think that's extraordinarily rare. But in really integrated systems, it could be that a lot of working through of anger at God has already taken place. My experience, though, is that for parts to work through anger at God... They need to actually experience two things. One is faith. They need to be able to connect in with the infused theological virtue of faith. And the second thing is that they need to have a different experience of God. And so one of the things that I think is the most effective in recovering from these negative God images, these distorted God images that I talk about in episodes 23 to 29 of this podcast is to let God have an opportunity to show you who he really is. But because of our natural protective reactions, 
when we've been injured, when we've been wounded, when bad things have happened, we often shut God out. And there's a podcast episode that's all about protection versus connection. That's mediated by all the neurological activity and and neurochemical activity in our brains. And so there's a way that we can work through that. But I would say that often when we don't have an awareness of anger at God for the vast majority of people, it's because we're not in contact with the parts that carry the anger at God. They are, they are, they are six, they are being suppressed successfully by manager parts. Yeah. We've got another one here. There's a part that puts off hard, boring routine work and simply wants to play. Yeah, we've got, first of all, I'm glad that you're in touch with the part that wants to play. That could be a very young part. Uh, It could also be, you know, a part that wants to use play to distract from other things and hates the rules. It's a younger part that wants the freedom to play. And so often there's ways that we can work with the parts of us that say, we need to get these things done. And the parts of us that say, hey, we need some leisure. We need some healthy recreation. And we can do some negotiating with those parts. A lot of times those parts get polarized. That's a word that we use, polarized, in opposition to each other. And in the resilient Catholics community, we have a whole set of units on working through those polarizations. But there's ways that we can navigate that if parts are willing to soften and relax back and allow your innermost self to lead and guide your system. Oh, this is a great question that has come up. What occurs when we sense anger in others? How does that impact us, especially if we ourselves do not respond in anger? We tend to respond to others' anger in the same way that we respond to anger within ourselves. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about how we tend to love others the way that we tend to love ourselves. And so when we sense anger in others... It's often a sign of how we handle anger within ourselves. You know, one of the things that I think happens between parents and children is that parents will often shut down anger expressions in children. They shut down the child's anger, shut down the angry parts of a child because they fear that their own anger is going to get tapped and they fear that their own anger is going to get out of control. And that that could lead to really terrible consequences. And so sometimes you have parents that will immediately come in and they do not allow any expression of anger from their children, no matter how appropriate, how age appropriate it might be. And that's a protector, right? Because that protector knows that if that child's anger starts really coming up and it floods the child, that it could flood the parent. And so sometimes in the short term, what the parents' protectors are doing, especially firefighters, is trying to get them to shut down the the anger in the child so that the parent doesn't become overwhelmed with his or her own anger. You know, other responses are also possible. Like some some people will not deal with their own angry parts and they will not deal with anyone else's angry parts. They simply withdraw. Right? They have protectors that withdraw from the anger, shut down, become uncommunicative, you know, move to hiding. So there are literally dozens, scores, hundreds of different ways to respond to angry parts. What you notice about your own responses to anger in somebody else can sometimes clarify what your responses are to anger within yourself. Sometimes it's easier to see how our protectors respond to anger in somebody else It's easier to see that than it is to see how we respond to anger within our own systems. So there's clues that we can pick up in different ways. So we have a response to the exercise. The word anger prompted tension in the jaw alongside clenched teeth. I considered also a parent's repeated historical episodes of anger, verbal abuse toward me. I do not consider myself angry. However, the impact of the tense jaw, etc., suggested to me suppressed opportunities to speak permission, invitation, and time. I recognized fear, anxiety, and so would like to investigate anxious avoidant behavior in my relationship with God as Heavenly Father, especially through non-liturgical prayer, that is personal intimate prayer. And 
I totally, that, that, that makes so much sense to me. Jaw clenching is something that I am very familiar with. I have a protector that will clench my jaw in order to prevent my feisty part from inappropriate expressions of anger, angry outbursts. It's basically saying, don't say that. That's not allowed. And so I noticed that in my own, in my own experience, clenched jaws is a real sign of anger. There's other tells in my body, some different places where muscle tension comes up. And so as you get more familiar with your body reactions, these can indicate which parts tend to be active, which parts tend to be up with different types of experiences that are connected to your parts, which is why we do that kind of checking in with the body. I want to be conscious of time and we are close to the top of the hour. Take one more question. Uh, Do you see prayer, especially normative Catholic prayers, as resetting or retraining neural pathways in a method to manage anger? It depends. It depends on how one prays. A lot of prayers are really one-way communications. They're really more like radio broadcasts than they are like conversations, right? Because there's lots of defensive ways to pray. So it's possible to do what uh, what my pastor, Father Ryan McCarthy, calls the the machine gun rosary, you know, where you're just sort of boom, 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 you're sort of praying through the prayers. Uh, there can be a sort of um, pressure behind that, and there's not an exchange. I think what retrains neural pathways is a different relational experience, which is why I'm a big advocate of personal prayer personal relational prayer. And there is a book by Father Boniface Hicks and Father Thomas Acklin. Those are Benedictine monks. And it's, uh, it's called Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. And that book really, I think, is the best, that's the best guide I know of to the kind of prayer that I think will rewire different neural pathways. I've known people who were struggling with scrupulosity, obsessive compulsive disorder, that were praying three and four hours a day, and it wasn't helping them. Not in the way of retraining neural networks, uh, because it was really driven by a lot of defensive, protective ways. It was was an offering, uh, basically a human sacrifice to an angry God. I would say that that it depends on the nature of the prayer and how much of it is you embracing your identity as a beloved little son or daughter of God our Father and Mary our Mother. God's going to provide us the experiences of love that we need if we're open to them. You know, And they're going to be titrated and attuned in just the right way for our parts if we're open to them. If we can ask for the faith, if we can experience the infused virtue of faith, which is a gift. It's not something we can generate inside of ourselves, right? So all this willpower stuff that people try in this is not so effective as asking for faith and then being open to a different experience of God, a different experience of love. Yeah. So I want to thank you all for being with me. So many people participated in this. So many great comments. I'm really happy that that we could be here together. Uh, It's such a blessing uh, to be with you all doing such beautiful work. And uh, I invite you to come to our next one, which again will be on, on that Saturday February 18th from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And don't hesitate to get in touch. You know, I've got my contact information. So glad that um, that you could be here and so glad to see so many uh, RCC members and those that are applying to the RCC and others that I've come across in one way or another in our Souls and Hearts community. And with that, we will go ahead and wrap it with our, uh, our invocations. Our Lady our mother, untire of knots, 
Saint John the Baptist. Pray for us.